Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Christ Our Redeemer. Doyle. Good. Happy Sabbath. If you wonder what's here, it's my pocket speech, so to speak. We always joke about that in the Toastmasters when we sit here and if somebody had a pocket speech. Well, in this case, it's actually planned. Just I forgot my Bible I carry up here. As I'm getting ready, I did want to say something about the youth. Besides this, I'm very proud of them for last week. I mean, everybody did a great job at cleaning the church. It's our church, so we, you know, we cleaned it and got it ready for days on bread. But I'm very proud that at least seven of them, uh, seven or eight came in, and they literally did everything from mopping, they cleaned the trash cans, they did a lot of work to help us out. So I just wanted to give them a give them at least recognition that they came and helped us this, week, this year on, for the cleanup of the church. We should, we should be very proud of our youth. Give me just a second. I, want to make the jan- I would make the janitor upset, but I'll put them in my pocket. There. Today, I'm gonna, it's kind of related to the message I gave two weeks or two, three weeks ago, whatever time is. Time doesn't mean the same to me half the time. But it's related similar to what we, we, I spoke of last time. And we're going to go into one of the roles that Christ has for us relating to Passover and beyond, of course, in our daily lives. And being Spring Holy Days is a great time to visit that concept. So let's get started. With Passover being only, oh what, it's 20, 30 hours away or something like that, about a day and just a little over, it would definitely be a great time to review this. What I was going to review today was one of the major roles he plays is being our Redeemer. I want to kind of go back into Passover a little bit to rehearse something there. So first, let's cover some points about Passover to lead up to this role of redemption. As, as, uh, as we know, as we know in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28, Paul calls this into action. I get the call to action because that's in Facebook. You know, there's a button on your little Facebook page. You know, if you're an administrator, it says call to action. You know, so you get your followers to react. Well, Paul did sim- very similar in 1 Corinthians 11:28. He said, "But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup." So we are to examine ourselves and then keep Passover. And of course, examining ourselves involves the fact to see where we're at at this point in time in life how we're doing and how we're approaching the perfection toward Christ, or in this case, God the Father, as I said about Matthew 5 last time. And there's further instructions also involved. We see that in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8, Paul instructs the Corinthians the following, relating to the days of unleavened bread and Passover. Therefore, purge out the old leavening, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leavening, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we see in this verse that Christ is our Passover. And we're going to see it in the next message as well. 
And we are to purge, we're to purge out the leavening, i.e., the daily sin of our life, as much as possible. And we examine ourselves so we know what to purge. Well, we're not perfect at it. You think it, was easy, it would be easy, because I told someone when I at work one time that I was going to clean my house of all leavening. And he went, well, first of all, you didn't know what leavening was. That was the first statement that came out of his mouth, was what is leavening? Because like, they don't pay attention. I said, it's what's in your donuts we have every Friday. It's in our cake. It's, it's in my hot dogs. Not the hot dog itself, but the bun that I actually have to, you know, I like with it. And I, I actually told him that tell him sometimes it, it's really a lot harder because it, there's hidden stuff. And I'll give you an example of that. I'm going to tattle on myself just a little bit. I remember going to Tom Justice on the last day of Unleavened Bread. I decided to go, I think it was on a, Saturday, a Sabbath, Saturday. Okay, no big deal. I'll go see Mom afterwards after I have a hamburger and, you know, do whatever. You know, that sunset, of course. And I go into Tom Justice. I change into my suit. I'm proud. I look so fancy and nice, and I do this. And I go, and I pull something out, and it turns out that it's crackers with Monterey Jack cheese on it. Because when I go through Arkansas, I usually I hadn't had this little gas station that only had those crackers. And I'd always buy them and put them in, well, this time I put it in my suit. And so for the whole week, they've been in my suit in the house, and I brought them into, t not open, thank goodness, that's the good side, but they were in the suit. And it's just a spiritual example where we might think we're just, you know, we're doing so spiffy and neat and great and then realize there's something hidden. And Tom was really a good sport about it. He just said, take it out to the trash can on the curb and get rid of it. It's not open, right? Yeah, good. <laughs> so a little bit of embarrassment there. Now, what is a redeemer? Almost sounds like an Abbott and Costello jo uh, joke, the way they put it in the definition. So they say, a redeemer is a person who redeems. Okay, so I kind of looked at that like, okay. But I looked up what redeem means. Redeem means like a coupon to redeem. Redeem is to buy back. That's one way. I don't use coupons very often, but I know what they are. To free from captivity by payment of ransom or to release from blame or debt. Now, that part I can apply and understand. So just to repeat the middle one, to free from captivity by payment of ransom. We can understand that based on an Old Testament law that we can pull up. It was in Leviticus, there's an example of that. In Leviticus 20, uh, 25, 45 through 50, Brian doesn't have to put it up, it was only as a reference. It's a law that says if somebody gets in some, I guess, in financial debt at the time, they could sell themselves, I guess, or whatever, to pay the debt. Uh, it's, it's foreign to our society, so I say whatever, just because I don't understand it. Usually the Collect, the collection day agencies nowadays just sit here and take 25% of your check and say, yeah, we'll pay it that way. But in their case, in their time, you could sell yourself as a servant to someone who would pay off your debt and then put you to work until the, your jubilee is what it was implying. And it says in the middle of this, in verse 48, it says, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. And it continues saying that by, he can be redeemed by his brother, by his uncle, his uncle's son, or any of his kinsmen. So it talks about somebody being redeemed if they get in a situation that unfortunately in debt that they can't pay off so they go ahead and take care of it by selling themselves into servitude. Now as in this analogy or this law if we were thinking about sin we cannot get ourselves out of this situation. We don't have enough to pull us out of sin. In other words we can't redeem ourselves is what I'm trying to say. 
And we've collected debt through our sins, unfortunately, whether they're intentional, like the cracker, you never know. Sometimes it's just an accident and we do it. Like when I got mad this week at my boss or I got irritated and it turned out it was all a misunderstanding and there's a little foible, a foible. I had to just calm down and realize he was just mad over a situation that happened that his boss was mad over and the anger just kind of flowed, flowed down. You know, if I really analyzed it, it wouldn't have big a deal. But we fall there or our past history or whatever. And Paul does speak, and this is something for your studies, for anyone taking notes, that he does say that something about the slave to sin and how it separates us in Romans. So something, a good study for you all later on. Well, we do have a mediator, and I covered this last time, but we have a mediator, and it's only one mediator, says that. It says in 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus or Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So no other way we can go to God except for him. He's the only mediator. He's the only mediator. Plus, if you note, it says, who gave himself. He wasn't forced. He wasn't just arrested and said, okay, you're going to pay for it. He gave himself. For us. And he's not just a mediator, he's also here to help us build a relationship with God the Father as well. We see this in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. So God loves us probably way more than we understand. In that while we were were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been re reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it's through, it's through Christ that we actually get this. And, it's on, and he mentions his life. So it's, it, the process is both ways. It's not just his death, it's his resurrection. It also brings his life. We also see Paul writing about this in Ephesians 1, verse 7. Just as a quick side note. In, in him, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of, of his grace. So Christ is the way we do it. His sacrifice is what our redemption. And even he mentions this in his own words, Jesus Christ, when he was talking about the wine, which we'll be covering in, on Passover. In Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Wow, that's, that is deep to think about. That's, you know, if, we, if we were to really do a full sermon on that, it could take hours. I'm just briefly touching this. Now to the, the key scripture I had in Titus. In Titus, Paul wrote to him to encourage him, I believe, and he goes in Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God 
that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should be live sober, righteous, and godly in this present age, which, like I said, I covered that before, where, you know, in Matthew 5, I think it's 5, 48, we're to become like the Father. We're to live righteously as best we can. And we're supposed to be denying the ungodly world and the lust of the world. And my understanding of sober is not that we always have to be just sober. We can joke around. But sober means to be aware of our environments, environment and our situations. You know, a little joking is fine, but sometimes, like, somebody who may drink too much and lose some of his inhibition may not be aware of things, and that's not good. We need to be sober. And let's continue on. Verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glory of glorious appearing of our great God and his Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might, re might redeem us for, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Again, we see that he gave himself for us. He died for us. And Talks this way. I see volunteered. Okay. So that is what he, like I said, he came for to us to go ahead and redeem us from our lawlessness, lawless deeds, and purify us. That's an awesome thing to think about because really a lot of our deeds we can't recoup. I mean, it always bugs us. I mean, like there's some things I've done in the past that if I didn't have that redemptive idea that God has forgotten it, which has plagued me. But, you know, and same with you all, I'm sure, where you know that when God forgives you, you can go on with your life. You don't have to worry about constantly reliving whatever it is, whether it's big or whatever. I, I, like my boss says, in my case, sometimes I overreact to various little things, so it's not always a good thing. Now, there's benefits to this, great benefits, and this is what I get excited about. Now, this is going to go into Christ being a high priest, but that doesn't matter. That's not what my focus is, even though it is a great, great deal. It, what my focus is the last part. Let's go into Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And when we get into Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we see, and Paul wrote, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we, have a, for we do not have a high priest who could, can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but, we, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this is the great part of it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in him in time of need. Through Christ we can approach God the Father and find grace. We can find mercy. Because otherwise without that mediator sin separates us from God. And with Jesus Christ and his death he redeemed us. He sees, he sees Christ in us and he sees him. That, and this is where I relate something from I saw on Ian Houghton's sermon. I thought it was a very good one. He wasn't sure if it related. I think it related perfect for Passover. So a thought for y'all. He was talking about the similar topic that I was talking about here. 
And then he started talking about something that we don't do in Oklahoma. And I don't even know if they do it in Arkansas anymore. I can't remember. We used to, if many of you are older in Oklahoma, used to have safety tags on our windows. You know, you'd, once a year you'd go to a mechanic and he would go expect, inspect the car and say, oh, your muffler's bad. I had a situation where the muffler was bad and paid $150 and found out I probably didn't have to. But anyway, and that safety sticker says you can drive that car for one more year because it's certified as safe to drive. Passover is very similar to that. We, will, we sit here, and I like the way he put it. Passover is the same, almost the same way. Once a year, we get together, or we, we examine ourselves. We try to purge out the evil in us, or, you know, to purge out the sins. Of course, we still need Christ, but we get aware of it. And then we do the bread and the wine, and we get that certification so we can continue on for the next year. We renew the covenant with, with God, and like I say, so we can continue on to the next year. Like I said, I haven't seen safety stickers forever, but I guess they're prominent in Texas and Missouri. But that's basically what it is. And this redemption really does go beyond what I'm giving it in the analogy, because technically it goes on daily. You know, and like I say, we mess up. Like the day I told you about, oh, there was something wrong at work where, like I say, Tucker got chewed out by his boss because something else wasn't checked and did it. And we react, and then we do something we shouldn't. I didn't do anything I shouldn't. I'm good at work. I like to keep my job. But I get irritated. <coughs> Don't. But the thing is, still, I can trust that redemption coming in because I can say, God, I caught what I did. I'm sorry. It was all our overreaction. And we know through Christ, and I'm just picking a simple analogy because we don't get too personal. It could be anything for that matter. It could be, it could be that who knows what things we do in our lives are just not always as great. And we can count on that redemption to help us on a daily basis. So in summary, as Passover approaches and as we continue on the rest of our life, for that matter, we can be very confident that through the redemption provided through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and we continue, of course, to live a, as much as possible a righteous life, you know, shun the ungodly world and so forth, we can approach God the Father with great confidence that we can obtain forgiveness of our sins and our life's mistakes, whatever they may be, so that we can continue our Christian journey and to build godly character and to have a relationship with our Father in Heaven. And I just want to say before I leave, step down, I want to wish everyone a very meaningful and wonderful Passover and Days of Unleavened Bread. <laughs>